the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, we've got two lines open. one 367 Two lines wide open. If you want to call in and uh, uh, challenge my, uh, my, my response to my dear brother James, who made some really good points about the distinction between alcohol and porn, and yet what I was trying to do was actually bring it up to date and demonstrate the ubiquitous nature and the conflation of both of those particular preoccupations uh, as 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 pleasure principles that that actually work in tandem presently today, and and especially in the uh, the millennial culture and the Gen X culture, they will tell you quickly that alcohol and porn are just kind of like you know status quo components that constantly dog and dominate their environment, which opens them up to all of the bad antisocial activity that's going on. And uh, and and as I stated last week. It is a problem in the church. This is why people cannot sit sit up under sound propositional exposition for over an hour. I have been amazed uh, over the decades that I have been pastoring and preaching that um, that one of the things I've been hearing in the local church is that, um, you know, you should only preach for 30 minutes. You shouldn't preach hardly no more than 45 minutes when, in fact, virtually every kind of entertainment that men and women engage in uh, for extracurriculums are a minimum of two hours. You go to a movie, it's a two-hour movie. You go to a concert, it's minimum two hours. You go out and, you know, listen to a comedian. That brother or that sister hollering at you for two hours. Two hours. Long ago. Long ago. When our world was not dominated by so much of this... um, this kind of frivolity of, uh, of entertainment as a main diet, being able to sit up under propositional truth or just the uh, rhetoric of, of homilies was something easily done. But as you've heard, First Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, the hour is coming when they will not endure. The time is coming when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure. They cannot bear up under weight of uh, a lengthy proclamation of biblical truth, exposition upon exposition upon exposition, dealing with a, a critical main topic to help men and women understand what the word of God teaches. They can't do that because they don't they're not used to that anymore. They're used to being entertained. Not challenged. Entertained. So our churches are full of music. And laughter and gaiety. Just a small measure of 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 a uh, proclamation, and today that's largely avoiding any real eternal truth claims. That's what we are today. It's our culture. Let me go to line number one and talk with Arbus. Arbus, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Pastor Jesse. How are you? What's your question, comment, or observation today? I'm good. Um, I just had a question regarding um, your topic from last week mm-hmm. um, with the alcoholism and porn. Yeah. Have you ever had, um, uh, I'm 
going to make my statement very general. Like, have you ever, because you're a pastor and you counsel couples, have you ever had a couple that they're believers now, and um, but in their past they have struggled with addiction of any kind, and um, namely um, alcoholism and porn or porn, and but they're believers now, and you've seen their life change, or you you've watched them grow in in Christ, and if you have like um, because of their past addictions, does that cause them to have to throw, like, you know how you use that term, throw the baby out with the bathwater, or does that, is my question making any sense? Only in part. I'm not getting the last part, I, I don't, and I don't want to assume that I know what you're saying relative to, um, okay, we all have a past, a B.C., before Christ, and how, 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 exactly. ret- how, how wretched that may be um, is one thing. The uh, A.C., or what we would call post-Christ experience, cross experience, uh, mm-hmm. is a determining factor only on, in, in the standpoint of how radically committed we are to change from the time of our conversion to um, to an hour where we can look back and say, God did deliver me. I am growing. I've got control over that. That doesn't dog me. It doesn't define me, and it doesn't dominate my life. Dog, define, and dominate means we are addicted to that particular um, pleasure principle practice. When we are liberated by the grace of God in Christ, we can say that we are not dog, defined, or um, dominated by that practice, which are antisocial practices which will, which will corrupt any kind of relationship. If you or I... Um, live for alcohol or live for porn. We cannot be devoted to someone else or a group of people or, as it were, children, uh, our grandchildren, etc. We cannot because those those practices, which are at the heart narcissistic, destroy any capacity for deep, profound, and effective relationship. Every parent, I mean, every child that has an alcoholic parent or two knows that that alcoholic parent is never completely and totally there. And particularly when they're high, they know that they know that there's a wall up and that that relationship between them and that parent has now been shut down emotionally. um, If not pragmatically and kids that have grown up watching the paralysis occur uh, in the interaction between them and the parent relative to the parent now just kind of sitting in the corner with the glass, uh, you know, half full, uh, just they don't want they don't want to engage. And, and, and if they engage, it's a, a kind of engagement that is obtuse and bizarre and not not again, not healthy because uh, alcohol takes people places in its uh, capacity to create inhibition, to, to remove the ethical break from the uh, frontal cortex and and cause you to say things think things and do things that you you would otherwise not do under a more sober context. And in the case with porn, unfortunately, porn is also another uh, pleasure principle preoccupation that opens up the door to crossing the lines in relationships with uh, with people because you objective one objectifies people. And the next thing you know, you are thinking bizarre things about your kids. And the next thing you know, if there isn't help, you are saying things or thinking things and even doing things. Now, Arbus, this has dominated our world since the fall of Adam. And this is what we are going to touch on only slightly when we deal with Noah's son, Ham, who caught him in an, a compromised situation. And some bizarre things came out of it uh, right along with the prophecy against the culture of Canaan. 
uh, our world is defined by um, excess and addiction and 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 perversion and and um, and abuse. It's defined by that. You you know what I'm saying. So yeah, I've had a number of uh, of people that I have uh, dealt with in terms of counsel around that area because it doesn't automatically go away when you make a profession of faith in Christ. You've got to go to war now against those things. So yeah, I think that was my that you know like when you were talking about that last week, that was on my mind because you. You um you kind of touched on it a little bit, and I was like, well, okay, I understand. Well, we get saved, and the Lord delivers us, and, you know, we grow in the Lord, but our past doesn't go away. When you counsel um, people um, for marriage, the, like— um, In, in preparation guess, for marriage? Are you talking in preparation, in preparation for, marriage. for marriage? In preparation for marriage. If, like, for example, if somebody said to you, oh, yeah, I used to be an alcoholic, but you've seen their life, you've seen the change in their life, um, you've seen um, them grow in Christ. Is that grounds to be afraid? Because, like, okay, that person used to be that way. Should I, you know, back off, back away? Or I don't know if I'm making sense. Okay, so I, you are, and I'm, uh, we're almost going around the same tree, but I'm going to clarify this point. Um, when... Uh, when when a person comes in and says, I want to be married to such and such person and, and vice versa, and we are candid and honest enough to talk about the struggles we've had in our past, I will look mm-hmm. at them with I will look at those struggles with them and give them an assessment based upon how well they have been handling those struggles and let them know that those struggles are not permanently gone until they have permanently resolved to renounce them and fight against them all the days of their life. And then I will let them know that marriage is actually going to challenge them at the level of their being tempted to recourse or revert back to the application of alcoholism or porn because those two become sort of uh, the escapism. These are escape mechanisms for people who don't know how to interact with problems and challenges that they have, whether uh, social or personal. So if you marry somebody that is used to actually running to the bottle with a problem, are running to porn with a problem uh, and somehow they don't you and that person aren't able to work out the challenges among yourselves and help each other as marriage is designed to do. Inevitably, there's going to be what is called a lapsing back into those practices, not only because the couple did not handle their conflicts appropriately, Arbus, but because alcoholism, alcohol and porn are increasing social components in our world today everywhere present. See? In other words, we both, we all have to struggle with the availability of that stuff in our life all the time as an option out of a healthy relationship. Does that make sense? Very much so. Right. So uh, when we are talking about holy matrimony and getting married, we are really telling men and women that you're going to have to go to war to sanctify yourselves unto yourselves as the grounds of your um, as the grounds of the, the basis upon which you will find mutual satisfaction. You have to be committed to your spouse as the means of, along with God, uh, finding uh, happiness, joy, and satisfaction versus uh, going somewhere else. And, and we already know for the person that's uh, an addict uh, or a past addict um, addicted to alcohol or porn, that's going to be a problem in the marriage if they can't handle conflict. Uh, this is not new news. This is old as 
um, oldest time. I'm not saying anything new about it. Maybe I'll have a caller or two that will be able to affirm it as well. Thank you for the call. I'm going to take a break. Two lines open, one 367 one I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back at the time 623 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open one triple eight. 367-5329-1888-367-5329. You are welcome to uh, advance our conversation and topic around what we are dealing with today since it basically dominated most of our calls um, around the problem of addiction, whether alcohol or porn relative to its antisocial effects, which uh, I don't find um, at all arguable uh, whatsoever. Um, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. What premised that was my discussion last week around the holidays in which you and I will be uh, hopefully um, celebrating the birth of our Savior and how um, how these kinds of events. Whether holidays or any other kind of larger social activity where men, women and children are gathering together uh, for the purpose of having fun and enjoying themselves. If we are an individual that's given to addictive behavior patterns that lead to the kind of um, distortion of thought and the violation or, or, or abrogation, if you will, of an ethical break. Um, then we're going to find ourselves in the same kind of trouble, same kind of trouble that the Catholic Church is in. Um, and many other persons who, 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 who live in the realms of debauchery by which they don't have uh, ethical break or respect for human beings enough to be able to know that you can't think this way about an individual without it having some kind of impact uh, on a social level, particularly when you get in a context where you're up close. I just had a conversation with a very, uh, very um, important person who was sharing with me something that happened to them when they were a little child and could not understand why it had such an emotionally devastating effect until they were uh, uh, a young student in college in medical school. When they began to work through their medical school requisites, they discovered, okay, this dude who was like a a parent to me um, had his way and um, it affected me. And uh, this story is very common for many of us around the world because humanity is filled with that kind of uh, lack of boundaries since the fall. All right, let me see here. Let me go to uh, line number one, line number three. Sorry, hold, hold, hold Tamara off. Line number three, and let me go to Brandon on line number three. Brandon, are you there? I am. How are you, man? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. What's your question, comment, or observation? Well, I, I have been listening for the last few minutes, and I, I, I really feel like you're you're conflating a lot of things that aren't necessarily connected, and uh, and taking uh, exceptions that we all know of and generalizing them to the whole population. So, for instance, the last thing that you ended with was this anecdote about someone who I'm assuming you, know, you seem to be implying that they were molested or whatever, and that's terrible and that's awful, but. How is that connected to porn use? There was no connection there made. It's not that like you're claiming that the the person then told you, oh yeah, and the only reason this person molested me is because they were a porn addict. I guess you don't have I mean, to do what's, that. What's the what, well? What's the connection? There? The connection is because clear. It's there, a, was, a... there was chi- no. It's not clear. Sure it, it is. Child molestation. No, it's not. There was child molestation before there was porn, 
And there's, as far as I know, and if you if you believe that there is... No, there you wasn't. Say, You're wrong. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. There was plenty of child molestation before there was porn. I, there are people in my family, elderly people who have stories about this sort of thing that happened to them when they were children in the 20s. This happened all the time. This is not some new invention. It's terrible. What you're it's making, what you're making a, new, a invention. new invention. Now, now, Brandon, what you're making a new invention, which is not, is porn. I agree. Porn is also not a new invention. But in order to connect one to the other, you have to show that there's some kind of a link there. You have to show that there's a causal uh, a connection. There is a causal one connection. And the other. So what is it? The because causal connection is a claim, the causal connection, that Brandon. The causal yeah. connection is a breakdown and the ethical break in the conscience in the areas and domains where we should recognize that the imago day, the the human dignity of another person is not to be violated, whether in our imagination or physically. And that conflation happens all the time. It was it happened to have been Jeffrey Dahmer who talked about the conflation of that, how porn led to that kind of uh, uh, debauchery on his part, how he grew up in the context of both porn and uh, molestation. And he's not only the only one. And I'm almost surprised that you're calling and arguing about that, my friend, because I I, I take you to hold on. This is this is this is a question that is answerable by actual science and research. So, for instance, if porn caused, porn consumption caused an increase in molestation, then the greater availability of porn, say, due to the Internet, would mean that there would be greater numbers, a greater incidence of, of, you know, of molestation happening. There were greater numbers of people would be negatively affected if one was linked to the other. Now, here's my here's but my response to that. that I here's... don't think that that's actually the case. I think if you actually go to, like, FBI crime statistics on, on, on sex crimes like that, that there isn't this corresponding dramatic increase in, say, the last 20 years, which would also correspond to, you know, the beginning of free, pretty much unlimited free porn on the internet i don't i don't, I don't agree with that assessment out. i don't agree with that assessment well it doesn't matter whether or not you agree with it it matters what the data actually is. I, I, don't agree, I don't agree i don't agree i don't agree brandon grant brandon i don't agree with you that the data is the last word as you were saying go to the fbi uh and, and look up the data on this i think i think I think if we actually had real data, real time data between you and I, if I were to take the time to just do the research, I think I could justify I could justify the correlation between the two. I really think I could because I find in my investigation. Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Brandon. Believing what you already want to believe and then trying to prove. Well, no. Well, you're asking me to do that. Investigation. You're asking. You're you're asking me to do it because if in the reverse, you are asserting that is investigation An investigation is something where you have a question and you research the data and you and you make you form your conclusion after the fact well here's you, here's you've a, already formed your conclusion he, and you are trying to justify the conclusion 
after the fact. What I'm that's what I am investigation. That's well, here's well, here's truth. what here's what I will say to you, because I think that you're wrong, as I think that you have been wrong in the past in your arguments about different things that we have correlated. I, I think that there is an absolute correlation. And I think that when people call and affirm that on an anecdotal level, that is at least a justifiable consideration. I think that the data is out there. I think that there's more. Then mullet- what is it? If you, if well, you hold on. Hold on, Brandon. The, no, no, no. I'm not going to hold on on that. That is a, that's a serious accusation. If you think that the data is out there and you have this positive belief, then the, then the onus is on you justify that belief, to prove that belief, make your case. Okay, so I'm going really to say, say this one more time. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm going to say it one more time. My own experience in counseling has demonstrated the connection between the two up to real time to where we are talking now. Okay, but that's not scientific Okay, so and, that, and that's what you are arguing, going out and getting right. scientific data. And I'm saying exactly. I, I guarantee you, we know I, I guarantee you it's there. I guarantee you it's you, there, you Brandon. You can't make that guarantee. I guarantee you it's there. It's just a, Brandon, it's like a hunch. It's hunch. I will for you for the year 2019. This one is so easy. I will for you for the year 2019 because it's coming up close, but I got a bunch of things to do. The, 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 this hunch, this, what I'm sharing is so, the, the hunch is so absolutely concrete in my soul that I'm going to actually go out of the way for you, the scientist who likes to hear statistics. And then even when you get them, you want to argue them as to whether or not that source is credible. I will Jeff, go out of the way. You've never given me any statistics. I will go. I will go. done that. I'm challenging you to. Well, that's what I'm going to do. Evidence. Particularly on this okay. one, that's what I'm going to do, and we'll, I'll bring great. the I'll bring the conversation back up in the new year, and I will talk about why my hunch is 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 valid and accurate that the increase in porn and the increase of alcohol will lead definitely to the increase of molestation. I will bring okay. that argument you, up. I'll okay, and I, would, and I I would really look forward to actually having the data on that. I know you do. I'm open. I'm open to changing my mind uh-uh. if that is the case. Then I will change my mind. But because but if not, if that's not the case, I'm not, I'm not entering into this with my mind made up already. Uh, okay. Right. You already have a belief that all porn is bad. I don't believe oh, yeah. that all porn is see, bad. See now, so I, I don't I, think that the uh, that, that just generally. Uh, right. Well, yeah. No, it's all bad, bad, brother. It's all bad, I, brother. I know, I know. I know that you. I, I know that you have oh, that belief. Absolutely. I, I think that, for instance, porn that actually does harm people, like child porn. That's exploitative. That harms people that don't have any consent and can't stand up for themselves. That's that's terrible. That's not justifiable. That should be, you know, a crime the way our society has made it. We should prosecute people. We should go after that. But when you're drawing the connection between that and all porn, the, all porn, porn is yeah, bad. All porn, it's not. Yes, that's it is. Not the same thing. So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. All porn is bad because how I'm a Christian. And the word of God makes it explicitly clear that this pathway is unacceptable. It has always worked harm and it will always work harm no matter how much one wants to justify small categories of it or small segments of it in any kind of exclusive context that they want.
Unfortunately, the Bible is very clear about it. It's very clear about promiscuous sex of any kind. Very clear. The Bible is very clear. And I happen to be, as you already know, a presuppositionalist. I I have never experienced your presupposition that gets in the way. Right. It gets in the way. Brandon, what you want to believe. My presupposition gets in your way. Important point, Jesse. Brandon, how could you ever know if you were wrong? If just entertain for a second, just maybe. Maybe you're not right on this one point. Just maybe. I'm not I'm not wrong How on this point. Just hang on a second. <laughs> hang on a second. Just entertain the hypothetical. What if you are actually in actual fact you are wrong about this? How could you tell? How could you know the difference? If your belief is unfalsifiable, mm-hmm. if you you already assume that it's true and you admit it's unfalsifiable, right. nothing could ever disprove it. How could you ever know that you're right? No, I know that I'm right. How you know that you're right? No, I know that I'm right. How? Because the word... mechanism do you know that By the word of God. But how do you know that that's the word of God? Because the Bible is very clear, not only in in its explicit testimony of history and the repeated examples in the Bible that sets forth the moral boundaries and parameters, but the consequences of violating those moral boundaries and parameters are seen everywhere in the world today. I have to actually take a break on that because you and I have already been around this bush. I do appreciate you. I will. I promise I'll go and work on the stats of the correlation between alcoholism, uh, porn, and particularly porn and molestation just to um, just to have this conversation with you in the new year. Thank you for the call. I do have to take a break. When I come back, I will deal with lines one and two. I've got one line open, one 367 one the unpragmatic, uh, impragmatic, if you will, uh, uh, standard that Brandon is bringing to the conversation, just it will never work. If every time that you had a conversation about something that you saw that was a normative pattern or even a hunch of correlation had to actually be dealt with by, by, by facts and by evidence and by going out and getting data, you could never have a conversation, especially even if you, even if you knew people that were struggling with it within the context of these, uh, these, these factors that I'm talking about, alcohol. Porn, molestation. Some of us have grown up with, a lot of you have grown up with this, just as well as I. You you don't need stats. You know, you know you've been broken by these kinds of patterns. Brandon is doing. I'll be right back. Back to Lifeline. We are back. The time is 640 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I always appreciate when Brandon calls in, but he he loves to try to establish these kind of uh, legal loopholes for what for most of us are fairly obvious correlations. I mean, you could just continue to build a bunch of them. But on the premise of uh, give me some evidence, yeah, then if a person had to do that every time that they made an observation about what we recognize as conventional bad behavior on the part of so many people and and the and the and the factors that are associated with that bad behavior um i'll leave that i'll leave that to all of the experts out there but i'd love to hear from you one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine my argument was that alcohol uh a very uh um uh powerful um uh, non-inhibiting factor that opens up the gateways of the mind and the, and, and the actions to engage in things that are not right. And porn, 
being uh, right there with it in terms of uh, acting out on what is seen in the mind and seen on the screen and seen elsewhere um, is a very close association to what often happens in the context of abuse, whether of adults or children. This is why we got so much of the crying out on the part of women today who are stating that uh, they are dealing with molesters who touched them, et cetera, et cetera. And the idea that somehow these molesters don't have some kind of association to a pornographic framework and paradigm that that aid and abets this kind of practice. Come on. Come on. Let's keep it real. Line number one, let me talk to Tamara. Tamara on line number one. Tamara, are you there? Hi, Pastor. All right, yeah. question, comment, or observation? Um, well, first, I just wanted, this is not what I wanted to uh, talk about, but, um, you know, I was I was uh, uh, sexually abused as a child, mm-hmm. uh, me and others in my family, by, mm-hmm. by a predator. Mm-hmm. And he used, um, even as young as seven and uh, when I was seven, and, and I don't know, I can't remember how long, uh, he used porn and alcohol uh, to, you know... Stimulate himself. To, yes. So, Tamara, you know. do, you, do you know, um, bless you, first of all, mm-hmm. what what bothers me just a little bit, not a whole lot, about Brandon? And you know we pray for him, right? You know that because yes, you're part do. of my prayer yes, warrior team, right? Um, I, I have a love for him to see him converted, but from time to time when he calls in, as smart as he is, you can see the suppressing of the truth and unrighteousness by these kind of arguments for some kind of statistical data. And here you are calling and sharing as an anecdotal story to my discourse, because immediately upon me stating it, you could you could identify, right, that there is a correlation, Right. right? Right. You, 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 listen, you and thousands of people out there, you and thousands. If I had time to just let the phone rings, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people would make the same uh, correlation uh, that that you are presently making. But having done that and thank you for that affirmation, what would be uh, your your question or concern or topic tonight? And I just want to say those thousands wouldn't even include the voices that are silenced yep. by the by other people or by their their own selves. Yep. Yep. So, yep. You're right. Um I I wanted to say that well because of that I became you know, because of those things I became uh addicted to heroin yep. and yep. um alcohol. Yep. yep. And um, you know, the Lord uh saved me and delivered me by his grace. Yeah. And um so uh so now um you know, as far as the drugs go, you know, I I can definitely, you know, by by God's grace, stay away from the people that I used to associate with in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as alcohol goes, that's a little different because it's more social. Exactly. And um and you know so when it comes to my family who who you know, our social drinkers, when, when we get together as a family, it, it, it's still not comfortable that hard. No, it's not oh. that hard because I know what I'm dealing with. Right. Where I'm finding the struggle at is in the church when I'm invited to certain things where they're, where they're drinking. Right. And, and I'm, I think in that, in that place is where I'm kind of like, 
because for me the the body is is the safe place for me right you know so um the majority of of the places that I get invited to there is not alcohol right but I'm finding some there is and I'm and I'm struggling with with that okay uh do i want to attend these things right so you uh, know so how what how would you frame your question because i'm 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 ready and poised well, to want to talk I about think, it I, I think should you know um should i feel but like i i lied and said i had a, an engagement for something just the other day and but i really don't i just don't know how to say that that i you know so Okay, so then on that particular response level, what you want to say is, I'm not, I'm not, I'm probably, I'm not going to be available uh, for that. I I appreciate you inviting me, but I'm not going to be available for that. Um, That censors the need for you to explain why, um, so that you don't have to uh, go into any lengthy discussion about your uncomfortability with um, open bar drinking on the part of Christians. so you say it like that. Um, it's going to be a topic I'll bring back up in the new year uh, as we talk about in honor of the fellowship of the saints. I'll be dealing with Romans 14 again. Uh, but I do want to state this while you're on the line for everybody listening. It is a huge problem for believers to think that they are not troubling other believers when they open up the bar for drinking. It is a huge problem when believers set a table out and all of that is there. And then other believers who are free to it, because you know, the Bible speaks about freedom without uh, excess. That's, you know that. And yet yeah. the, the problem is, is that the engagement on the part of many people is that they actually end up inebriated, altered. And, uh, and uh, in many cases, as you would be able to pick up very quickly with your experience, as well as mine, because you know, I grew up in the same culture you did, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I can quickly tell when a person is altered. It's so very easy to me. Um, yeah. and, and, and then the standard of Christian decorum and the standard of uh, rich spiritual dialogue virtually goes out the window. And because we know what it looked like back then in B.C., uh, we can quickly tell yeah. when that spirit is present uh, after Christ in the community of the believer when they don't have the uh, the, the 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 temperament and and capacity to have uh, uh, alcoholic be- beverages without it altering their uh, personality uh, and it going into the levels of laughter, frivolity, and even you know stupid talk and gesturing that gets away from the gospel or um, or a a spiritual atmosphere. We smart believers know that that is a problem. Smart believers know that. Uh, And I try to model an example for um, as many people as I can in our community, Tamara, to be much more wise and much more prudent about that because the assumption that we don't have brothers and sisters in our fellowship that haven't had that struggle in the past or the assumption that they are not discerning of when these people who are exercising their liberty fail to exercise their liberty properly um, is, is is actually a problem. It's a real problem. So if we have communities that don't know how to maintain the level of sobriety that that honors God in the context of men and women fellowshipping, uh, don't be there. 
Don't just just absent yourself because um, if it's a distraction where you can't really enjoy people without having to see them, you know, falling all over them themselves. And I'm exaggerating, but in some context, that's the way that it is. That or is even me feeling like like maybe I I should just have a drink, yeah, you know, one but you, drink just to be, yeah, you know, what I'm saying to be compatible. So, yeah, but see, you know what I. Uh, no, no, a lot, a a lot of times I just opt out. I hang out, I fellowship. I I, I go, nope, not doing it. Not, not uh, for the good of the balance of the body. We got to have some sober people there. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, um, you know, um, we're not judging them. We're just simply saying that we're going to be in the midst of saints drinking. Somebody got to be sober. Somebody got to be able to talk about Christ and enjoy the gospel. Listen, thank you for the call. I've got to take I've got to take a break. I'll talk to you later. All right. We'll be right back. Uh, This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back the time 653 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. A spirited discourse on uh, the topic of, um, let's put it in the positive, the virtue of being sober, uh, not just in terms of, uh, you know, mentally sober in, in regards to alcohol. And there's no doubt about it. Um, pornography, the um, stimulation of, uh, of, the, of the mind with uh, that kind of engagement is, a, is an inebriation of its own. And unfortunately, both of them are playing a role, right along with drugs, of uh, being a gateway into um, to perverse activity, which we would call antisocial from a biblical standpoint. Uh, I know I'm right. I just, you know, again, uh, multiple counseling sessions, and I'm not living in a bubble. I live in a world where you can easily talk to people where the correlations are, are right there, um, as Tamara laid out. If we had time, again, the calls could come in innumerable about the co- connection between them all. And that's why if you are a believer in Christ and you're listening to me right now and you know that this topic is painfully and uncomfortably close to home, uh, you know, I'm not doing it to make you feel bad. Uh, what I am doing it to is is uh, maybe let me put it this way before I take my final call for 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 day. I may not even be able to get to that one. Um, the Christian church is doctrinally um, <clears throat> dangerously uh, emasculated, doctrinally dangerously emasculated. To be honest, very few professing Christians can argue for the faith um, uh, from a a biblical standpoint and even from a standpoint of logic. You don't have to get people to agree, but you can defend propositional truth. It doesn't matter if people argue, you know, that you're presuppositionalist. Of course you are. The word of God did something for you when it called you out of darkness into God's marvelous light. It changed your life. It convicted you of sin. That's what Tamara's talking about. The only thing that was able to get a hold of her life was the word of God that revealed to her how sinfully depraved she was and that she was pursuing idols to satisfy her lust, as was me, the case with me, yours truly, um, living in an absolute culture of perversion, sexual perversion and alcoholism and drugs. All They were all so uh, intertwined, it was hard to, to find out which one started. 
Um, and and to, to this day, I can pick up on the signals and can see the course and pattern of people's lives when they are engaging therein. And I try to be as balanced as a grace teacher and preacher as I can to let you know that uh, the kingdom of God is this and not that. And we really should be pursuing it. So uh, like the first caller, Arbus, was talking about coming into Christ, having been liberated. The liberation is a continual process. It's not a one-time process. If you're a true believer, liberation is a continual thing. You were first liberated from the darkness of the lie that you were all right when God saved you. But you weren't liberated from every vice, trap, gin, and snare that you had developed a habitual uh, conformity to. That's a process that comes along with a deep sanctification that that is the consequence of submitting to biblical truth and letting the Spirit of God persuade you that another way is better. And with the painful uh, acceptance of what we call a cross-centered theology by which, as Christ said, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross. In order to walk in following Christ, there has to be death to a lot of practices that we engaged in the, path that, in the past that just will not allow you to draw near to Christ. It won't let you do it. It just won't let you do it. You will not grow in Christ. You will not draw near to Christ. You will not see the deep, rich glories of God in Christ. You will not feel the power of Christ while as yet we allow these idols to dominate our lives in secret. It won't happen. Now, my brothers and sisters who have tried it will tell you it doesn't work. The old Egyptian gods of our past life, will not allow us to move forward in our sanctification and growth, our maturity in Christ, and the deep, rich experience of grace that allows you to be a witness to your husband, to your wife, to your children, to your loved ones, to your brothers and sisters, as you would want to be. There has to be a decisive mortification, gospel mortification, where a choice to love Christ more than we love that thing has to bring us to our knees and say, Lord, deliver me. So that I can glorify you in my life. It doesn't matter if the whole world hates you for it. Whomsoever the son shall set free shall be free indeed. Christ came to give us life and that more abundantly. But it's a warfare walking in that life. It's not a, salvation is not an easy believism. You, you accept Jesus into your heart and you're all right. That's a hellish doctrine. You and I must be born again. And when once we are born again, we are living in total dependence upon the grace of God and the presence of the spirit of God and a continual need to hear the word of God for faith continues to come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord willing, we'll talk to you next week. Until then, keep your eyes on Christ. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.